0: Hello, and welcome to Meeting Mondays. On this false stop in the tour of Chicago, I wanted to take a step back to my old home away from home. I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house learning different things, learning about food and how to cook and learning about a different way of how to do math and, and my alphabet so this place always had a nice nostalgic feel. And so I spent the last 15, 16 years or so growing up here. And so I got expertly familiar with my surroundings and the memories of going through and reading books at the Blackstone boy Bar- and so just walking around High Park and going up to the pot bellies on fifty fifth was always just something that has a nice, hard nostalgia feel for me. So when I learned about the comic book shop here back in twenty eleven when I was in high school, it became just as second nature to me as anything else, and going up to fifty fifth bumping into James and and having a conversation about what's going on inside the Marvel Universe was just something that I remember doing as well. So, when we sat down and I started to plot out my map of Chicago, I knew this had to be one of the first places we went to. So, on today's show, I would love for us to stop take a look around of Hy Park but let's really get into a conversation with the man that gave me some very fond memories as a child. This is Meeting Mondays and we are here today at Full Stage Comics where the eccentric owner, James Noss, will kind of tell us his story and what's go- been going on with him. So hope you buckled in. Hope you who are ready to come to the neighborhood, the exits on the left, and please allow me to welcome you to False Date Comics. So, what drew you into comics and what made them special to
1: you? Uh, my mother drew me into comics because I was not a good reader. I hated reading. And so she uh, wanted me to understand that reading wasn't just a chore or like homework. And so she dragged me into my first shop and that was how I got started.
0: Well, there you go. So, you started collecting Limbo because of your mother. What was, what was some of the false memories you were me- m- doing? What some well, I just remember her
1: saying to me later when I opened, she said, heck, I just wanted you to read. I didn't want you to go into a comic store business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, no, I remember it was a really small shop. It was in like a, um, kind of like a mall thing. Mm-hmm. I had like an antique kind of a mall, so it had different little stores on the inside. There was a popcorn stand and then right behind that, there was, it must have been 500 square feet, if that, little shop. And I started going in there and I didn't want to read superheroes because I thought that was ridiculous. So I read Conan, that was what I had to read. And then I slowly got hooked in the Teen Titans, New Teen Titans was out at the time perez and wolfman and that's what sucked me in and then i was done i've read all of those <laughs> and it makes me sound like a dc guy and i'm not i'm primarily a marvel guy but dc is what got me in really
0: i mean eh, it, it's more so about the love of the genre we can always find right between marvel vs. dc uh yeah there, there's always something good on both ends so is there any special piece of memorabilia inside your collection that holds a special place inside of your heart.
1: Well, to be honest, once I got the business going, when I first got started, I was only doing shows, um, conventions, you know, trade shows before I had the storefront. And uh, so that was much more of a collectibles market. So most of the, what I had collected over the years got folded into the inventory. So the only thing I really have left now are, you know, collections, omnibuses of things that I liked. And so I have all the new Teen Titans. I've got all those Omnibuses. And then, of course, my, my favorite from Marvel is Captain America. So I've got some of the uh, older Captain America stuff still. And um, I liked all that Brubaker run, even though that's much more modern than what I was reading when I was a kid. So,
0: Which is to because the, the, the follow-up will definitely say, are you more classic or are you into the newer stuff?
1: Uh, definitely classic. It's got to be classic. <laughs> uh, Ushima's art. I don't know if I say his last name right, but oh mm-hmm. God, that's what I grew up, especially in those Conan issues. Some of his art's are amazing. And of course, a little bit before me would be Frizzetta, but I mean, I as a kid went back and got all that stuff and, and loved Frizzetta stuff. It's great.
0: Cool. So, what were your what were your favorite th- some of your favorite stories? Is, or, what, or well, from
1: Titans, particularly Judas Contract, mm-hmm. which was great. I yeah. loved, and then. Um, from all the Cap stuff. I liked one in the 80s and the stuff when he quit being Cap, that was always big for me. And a discussion of what the ideals of Captain America are. And it was always interesting because it's like, okay, what are the politics of the writer? What's the politics of the character? What is, how does he fit in the universe? So it always has all those different layers that it's always kind of fun to to go over those. So that story when he quits being Cap was big for me. He just became the captain. (laughs) <laughs> and had that, that black suit.
0: Yeah, you know. yeah, I remember that. Um, and then
1: there's that brief, there's that brief Frank uh, Miller run, the second run. I mean, of course, the first run is classic, but the second run was kind of a big influence on me at the time with Nuke and all that stuff.
0: So, hills, 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 more of an esoteric one. And what is there? Is there a story that you see, whether it be movie, video game, or whatever, that you would love to see be made into a comic?
1: oh the t- reversed and we're both comic. um i mean i feel like they're doing everything you know yeah, what yeah, i mean um i mean just the, the right now there's so much money on the creative side of it for movies that they've just pumped into it yeah, it seems so. like everybody's right and i think good for creators you know keep yeah. control of their stuff um no, nothing jumps to mind. Nothing I'm, goes so, to that's mind. Not a no, very no, good I, answer. I'm
0: sorry. I mean, it, it is what it is. It is sometimes <laughs> it's just fun to stump the genius. Uh, <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thanks.
0: So what Are was supposed th- to
1: make me look good?
0: I mean, yes. But okay. if I only <laughs> made make you look good, then this wouldn't be my show, and I would be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, but no, but yes. Um. So let now let's go to your history. What? How did you get your start inside of your comics? What was some of your false jobs?
1: My first jobs. Yeah. Well, it goes back to my mother dragging me into that shop. So then I met the owner, mm-hmm. and it started out, "Hey, kid, go get me some Burger King for lunch," and <laughs> I'd get two comics. And then he's like, well, if you're going to be here, why don't you process this box of comics, bag and board them and get them, you know, organized. So I started doing that. And that turned into kind of the, the summer gig and then the after school gig. So that I've been in this, you know, pretty much my whole life. I kind of grew up in it, which is why I know it so well. Um, I did leave briefly, uh, but came back to it, you know.
0: So what did you most enjoy about your only year of the, the comic book intern, so to speak?
1: I mean, I lo- I loved them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I loved everything about it. It was pretty, you know, it brought work, you know, taking the garbage out, processing the books, filing. Back then, it was, you know, you didn't have the trade paperback mm-hmm. part of the industry. So it was all, you know, back issues were a huge part of it. If you wanted to know what happened previously at an issue, you had to find those issues. So there was a lot more of buying collections and filing them into the back issues and uh, tracking runs down for people. It's... It, Packages is still a big thing now, but it's much more like first appearances, high-grade books. It's really different than people just buying runs of things to find the story. So um, that's what I think I loved about it as a kid. I, I just loved putting that together. And as a collector, I used to... I still love that. I still love going, ooh, I have all the numbers, and they go in a row, you know? Or, I don't have <laughs> yep. that one, and I found go. it. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean? I so it's very... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So that's what I loved about it, I think. And I liked... I've always liked the people working with people and the people that come in the shop and just talking comics um i've always liked that it's a lot less pressure than you know being a doctor and talking about okay how are we going to save this person's life you know so i've always it's 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 nice
0: i mean ironically enough you are the doctor of entertainment in my local community (laughs) so uh, but we'll get yeah, sorry, to that. I didn't mean to make that comparison. I, but, very good. <laughs> but we'll get to that in a few minutes. So, what were, <laughs> what were a couple of lessons that you learned that propelled you for your future career?
1: Uh, I, nothing prepared me. So, I studied drama, speech was my major. Uh, did a little bit of graduate work in acting. Um, never planned on on uh or studying business like i should have or marketing like i should have i didn't do any of that i did everything wrong so nothing prepared me other than the work experience of actually doing the work so i knew how to work a store work in a store run a store but i didn't know anything on the other side of it how to manage that how to create it so all of that i i had to kind of make up and i'm still making up as i go
0: (laughs) 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 you know instilling confidence and then shooting yourself inside the foot with that last <laughs> thing. And chances only, only can, uh, go so well, here, far.
1: I, I will tell you the only two business things I know. Okay. Buy low, sell high. It takes money to make money. Those are the well, only two th- things I know. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: <laughs> and then for the last, I know comics. Yeah. Just, that's all. There you go. <laughs> and then you stumble your way to success over the last S- Twelve years. Eh, there yeah. you go. Oh. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Indeed. So let's <laughs> let's get into why you're here. What led to the creation of False Aid?
1: So, uh, like I said, I, I left working in comics briefly because I was pursuing acting, and everybody kept saying, "Hey, if you can do anything else that would make you happy, don't act." And I was like, "Oh, okay." I thought, okay, maybe I won't. So I got back into uh, working for other comic dealers um, and uh, just tried to think through the process of how I would open my own store. And uh, my mother used to work at Erickson Institute, which used to be over the Hyde Park Bank. And so I was always familiar with Hyde Park and liked it. And we'd always thought, why isn't there a comic store there? There should be a comic store with Dr. Wax. And I've always loved Harper's Court and stuff. So that was always in my head. So I started planning to do that. And that's why I chose High uh, Park when I was ready to, because I was like, okay, I'm getting so old. I gotta have an actual career and some kind of income. So that was what really pushed me to do it. Um, and I like High Park, and I wanted to live here. So. There you go. So there you go. Uh, Did that answer your question, Scott? <laughs> I wish I could I'm... jazz everything up for you. I do it with jazz hands. Does
0: that help? Trust me. There's enough questions here that you'll. Naturally, jazz everything up. I thought of okay. everything, gang. Um, but on the same note, I also have to say, "West in Peace, Doctor Wax." It lasted barely yeah. to the end of the false decade. <laughs> um. So, what was the meaning behind the name choice, and subsequently, what was the thoughts behind making everything in the style of a doctor's visit?
1: So, um, my last name is nurse and we don't spell it correctly, but it's pronounced nurse. And that's uh, what I thought.
0: I didn't want to say it.
1: (laughs) No, no, it's all good. Uh And so I had just was like, okay, I don't want to be, you know, the comic cave or the dragon's lair. I don't know. Not that there's anything wrong with those names or folks that have named their, thing that. but I wanted something just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my friend, she's like, you got to use the names. You got to do a medical theme because there's just so much advertising. So when I got started, you know, I had tongue depressors with the store info, like I stapled a business card to a tongue depressor, Mm -hmm. um, tried all kinds of things just because it's so easy with the medical theme. Yeah. Yeah, So that was, that was how it got started.
0: (laughs) So then what were some of the big old challenges that came with starting your own business?
1: Well, okay, so the biggest thing was signing a lease. For me, it was committing to a long-term lease, so I didn't want to do that. So I started out on 53rd in literally 500 square feet, and it was kind of a year-to-year lease. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to see if there was really enough interest in the neighborhood. And I really believe that the reason that we made it was that in 2008, um, when President Obama was elected, they did this amazing Spider-Man issue— with uh, President Obama on the cover. Mm -hmm. So here I am, brand new open, you know, a year, well, not even a year, uh, and they announced, when did that come out? Was it, I think I'd been open a year, so it must have been 2009, something like that. And uh, you had to meet all these qualifiers to get that cover. And, of course, I was so new, I didn't meet any of the qualifications to be able to get that specialty cover. So I had all these people calling me and discovering the store in the neighborhood because they wanted that. Issue and I had I had to go through hoops. I knew some other dealers up north, and I did some deals with them to get copies. But everybody in the neighborhood found out about the store because they were looking for that issue, and that really is why I think the store took off.
0: Yeah, one year wide, it was two thousand nine. I just had to check that because <laughs> I'm like, isn't the internet great? Exactly, it's amazing. <laughs> I can keep my notes. I got Google. Internet's amazing, um, but. That's kind of crazy. You became legitimate by legitimately trying to get a special edition that I just recently (laughs) saw inside your store for like eight bucks. So it's like, (laughs) now it's worth nothing. But that comic is so important to you. It's like, this literally started my business. It's in there. Yeah, it did. That's how people (laughs) saw me.
1: Oh, and they did five printings of it, and I just kept ordering it and ordering it and kept selling it and selling it because yep. people wanted it. And then everyone wanted each cover, you know, because mm. it became a thing. People, And, not, and this is non-comic people, but this is great because then they would come in and they'd tell other people, oh, if you've got, a, you know, a grandkid or a nephew, go to this shop. They've got comics, you know. So yeah, it was huge.
0: Yep. <laughs> but so basically for the people who wanted Obama's face on literally everything. Watermelon <laughs> was the easiest thing in the universe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> was, there you go. <laughs> so what was your first sale like? How do you remember how how you felt when you did it? And what did it mean?
1: Uh, for for like literally my first ever when i was a kid or at the shop There's
0: how, a couple about both? Good stories. how about both they're both good stories we got time all
1: right um, i don't know uh you remember when frank miller had his big uh, dark knight returns that oh hell series yeah. Came that out. Thing, yeah so I, I was working i was working at the shop and i don't i don't remember why it's too long ago and i i'm sure because i was just you know, working behind the counter. I wasn't doing the ordering at that time. So I don't know why, but apparently, you know, we couldn't get that many copies or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was a limit of one per customer. But I, since I worked there, got to get two uh, each. So, and then when I did my very first show on my own, it was up in Hillside. There used to be a little comic show at Hillside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sold those sets, both sets for a lot of money. It, you know, it was like, I don't remember, for a lot of money to me. I think it was like, it was under 200 bucks for each set. But, you know, I'd spend... $10, $20 on the two sets, you know what yeah, I mean? So I, I was like, Ooh, I'm in the money, you know, I, yeah, was like, I know. that was when I got my first taste. I was like, Oh, this is fun. I should do this. Um, but my first sale at the store, I remember being upset about it because, you know, everybody saves their first dollar and so my first sale, they came in. I don't remember what they bought. But, of course, they gave me a 20. And I was like, well, I can't save a 20. I can't put it. But, I, you know, of course, I did. But everybody of was course. like, you can't, your first sale can't be a 20. It's got to be a one. And I'm <laughs> like, but it wasn't.
0: What do I do? Buy it and then go buy 18 bucks in McDonald's? I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's completely
1: different. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: agree with you.
1: <laughs> so.
0: So what was your first sale? Do you remember what comic it was?
1: No, I don't, actually. I was just, I remember... No, I don't remember, I Did just you? remember the amount Because I was okay. so fixated oh, The 20, dang it, what am I what <laughs> I do guess I'll keep the 20 yeah. My register won't balance at the end of the day I'll be $20 <laughs> off
0: <laughs> Do you still have that 20? 20, almost 20 years later, do you still have the 20?
1: <laughs> Actually I don't I'm ashamed to say so, We um, hung it for a long time it, I lost it somewhere when we moved From the first location to the Current dang. location
0: So whatever hobo found that 20 is in the money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's the other thing. So when I was there, the first thing that I met was actually some of the people that hung out inside the gaming nook area. I don't know what you actually would call it. We call it the game room. Okay, okay. Well, then there you go. The game room. (laughs) Boom. so, what drew you to hosting Tabletop? What what drew you to the other half of the industry, so to speak?
1: Um, actually, the customers did. I Because there wasn't a gaming store, so people kept coming in and asking for gaming. Uh, that's what really got me started. It was actually Yu-Gi-Oh! Players, mm-hmm. which we don't currently have a Yu-Gi-Oh! group, but that may come back after the pandemic. Yeah. We've had more people interested again. Um, but actually, it was Yu-Gi-Oh! at first, at the tiny little location, that we somehow made work for a table that was that was always a good time um but it was yugio players and then magic was behind that and again it was customers asking for it and so because that's why it's first Aid comics you know was the original title and we've added games since then but that was all customer driven
0: well that, that now that's also really cool you're you're open to having people present ideas that is something very unique a lot of people are like no don't touch what i have built and you're like well I'll expand if if i can support it i'll expand it it's not like i'm going to be yeah exactly if it,
1: if it can be supported it but i've always stayed away from like singles i've always refused that part of it i don't deal with singles so single cards yeah and make sense uh, i can I we
0: do the we things. do
1: the tournaments and we sell the sealed product and that's it so
0: i mean yeah, i can understand why it's going to be hell in a cell if somebody comes in and says, my Super whale Charizard is being undervalued by about five coins. <clears throat> because <laughs> I'm not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going to give you my entire store for one fucking
1: Charizard.
0: <laughs> 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 so did you ever participate in any of them yourself?
1: The card games? Yeah.
0: Or you just No, um, you know what
1: I uh Board I grew up in game high school, or I board
0: games. Either way. I know you do uh uh borders, I mean uh D and D every once in a while as well. Oh so
1: yeah, yeah when I was a kid D D, that's it.
0: Okay, and what about now? Do you still sneak up to the game room when you can? Or
1: No, I don't. Done? I you're actually done. do not. Um <laughs> I just yeah. It's the same thing with comics, it's just you know it's I get home, I'm like, I don't want to read a comic. I've been with comics all day. (laughs) I'm not going to read another comic. So, yeah, it's the same thing. There's a little separation. I like it during the day, but then at night, it's something else.
0: Like, I would like to go home and never think about a comic for the next 12 hours. (laughs) I can understand why. I can definitely understand why. You don't want to lose that lust, so to speak, because, well... If you get bored of it, then well then it's gonna affect your business because you're gonna be like, "There's no enthusiasm here. We're doing, nope,, <laughs> And yeah. that's how the business dies. All right. well, then hmm, so over the years, you must have faced many challenges when it came to getting the shop off the ground whether that was moving to your current store or more certainly the COVID restrictions, got any fine memories of overcoming those challenges?
1: Um, Yeah, the move was a great fun because we were there I think, two and a half years and uh, people volunteered to help us move. So literally we got our, we got a truck and my little van and we just loaded everything in there and it was just customers that volunteered to come that day and everybody helped carry everything down all the, that flight of stairs and load it in and then i drove it over and everybody helped unload it and put it into the store and i just said okay could put that in that room that in that room it was this huge pile of stuff and so literally we did it like on a sunday and we mm-hmm. opened the next day with everything just in piles It was so mm-hmm. funny and um, we i think it was right right before free- Day, as I recall and we had barely gotten and Then it was free comic book day like I literally had gotten the racks up and I just threw things on them and then we it was free comic book day like the next day so it was pretty crazy but I have very <laughs> fond memories of that it was very I was very humbled just how many people showed up to help us move everything it was great
0: I mean you are definitely a very nice very fond say, April of 55th so in the greater highball community so <laughs> I am definitely, it definitely warms my heart to see that people even back then understood your importance to our great, our little community. Ha, ah, yeah. you're too kind.
1: So. neighborhood has been great.
0: Yep. So let's look at the other side real quick. Were there any oh. feels and doubts about going after this endeavor? Yeah,
1: so when I read, like, the- Uh, I was telling you, you I rented that first space. I only did a year contract because I was sure I was going to go out. And the couple of the big mistakes I made, you know, like my dad and I were like, we'll just do the accounting ourselves this first year because I'm probably not going to last anyway. (laughs) So I did all the accounting. We kind of made it up. And then I was like, oh. After the first year, I was like, you know what? It looks like I might make it. I might be able to go for a while. It's like, I better get an accountant. And the accountant's like, what the hell did you do? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> "That changed everything. And I, you know, I went on the internet and I was like, okay, how do you make a corporation? And I made a C-Corp, you know? And he's like, why are you a C-Corp? You can't, ah. And he's like, so he changed everything and got me going. So yeah, I made quite a few mistakes, but, you know, I really thought, you know, this just tests the waters, you know, cause this could all go south really easily. So, and I remember sitting up there with my, you know, either getting raging Cajun from downstairs and sitting at the window going, boy, I wonder if anybody's gonna come in today, you know, looking out the window. But I, you know, it was a great space. It was, those, all that was a good learning process. I, I probably made a lot more mistakes and wasted a lot of money than if I was to do it again you know, hindsight is, is always, you know, 2020. 20. And, you know, I ordered a lot of things thinking, Oh, I should be able to sell this, these nice hard covers. Nobody wanted hard covers. You know, and I ended up with all these hard covers, which, you know, now I would know how to order those, but you know, you, everybody makes their mistakes. Like, you know, I, you just got to get in and do it sometimes. So. Yeah.
0: Getting messy is literally why I'm sitting here talking to you right now. You just, as you stated <laughs> in my own case, AC's these podcasts are just something that I'm like, you're right, just get in, do it, and long as you keep going. Um,
1: so yeah, absolutely. Because you create opportunities doing that. Even mm-hmm. in the mistakes, you're creating an opportunity elsewhere.
0: Yep, and you, you know? don't, and you may not be able to see it, but somebody will come stumble along your body of walking like, I like that, all of it, it yeah. or this part of it. it, or the fact that he's going no matter what. So, yeah, I do agree with the sometimes you just... Have to make mistakes. I think that's a really good piece of business advice. You're going to make a mistake. It yeah, because you're gonna you're gonna mm-hmm. end
1: up networking. You're yeah. gonna end up networking in that. And if, if you're not out there putting something out, then nope. there's there's nothing to to learn from or criticize or you know grow people from. People are gonna
0: yeah, and and ultimately people won't know what to do with it. Oh, he's really knowledgeable. Yes. He has forty plus years of comic books information yet. What, what can I do with it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely there. Uh, so, were there any regrets over the last 12 to 15 years with the business?
1: I, I'm a man. That's all I have are regrets, but not <laughs> specifically about the business. My regrets are not related to this. I'm, I'm really glad I did it, um, and I'm really glad that everybody that's helped me did and has been along for the ride. I mean, you know, Kenny, who works for us and does our social media, he's been mm-hmm. with us since so it's pretty much the start, you know, a lot of folks that have worked with us um, have, are still around are still mm-hmm. associated with the store still do things. So it's been a, a fun ride. I, you know, I like to think it's been a fun ride for all of us. I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but um, yeah, I have no regrets about the business and really glad where we're at. I wish that we had more locations. That would be my only regret, I think. Um, but the industry is so different from when we started, you know, I can't, I'm having a hard time justifying doing more locations, you
0: know what I mean? Yeah, that, so. that makes perfect sense. And I can definitely say the one big thing that I did always enjoy was that even inside of your hiring practices, you get that warm family-like association. I mean, I was just in there talking off one of your associate <laughs> heels just a couple of weeks ago, and he's completely new to me. He, but it's, but it's yeah. that same aspect, that same environment of we're well, welcome here. It is there for a great you're just there for a great time I'm um, yeah so what advice would you give to the next generation of entrepreneurs, especially on overcoming these obstacles and sticking to your guns and when you know something when you know you got something here
1: um my advice would be as much as you can the intern kind of a thing is important. It may seem uh, endless, but you're learning more from working in whatever industry you're going into. You're learning more than you realize, and you know more than you realize, and you got to have confidence in that. And then you got to trust your decisions and just go for it. Uh, Like we talked about earlier, you got to put stuff out. So when you're really ready to go for it and you you feel good about whatever industry you're going to go into do it and then be careful because there's going to be everybody around you is going to tell you their advice and what they think how you should do it and everybody's full of advice but very few people know are most people are not actually you and their advice you know can really hold you back can really undercut your confidence and you got to be careful that you got to stay confident don't let people freak you out with oh you got to do all this stuff and you got to do all that. And you should know this and you got to have all this. And it's like, eh, you don't have that. So, you know, go with what you have and what you know and you'll be okay as long as you're pursuing it.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. That is something that I, try, I had to try it alone because, of course, in my field in audio, you have to mm-hmm. so create your opportunities. Well, uh, yeah. Whereas, yeah, it's great. I can, they're all comic book out, where I can end on and it that, that does exist. When it comes to things, certain aspects, you just got to do it yourself. Oh, and yeah. sometimes, and, some, and DIY is not the easiest thing, but figuring it out and putting in the work, definitely I will agree with you is extremely rewarding.
1: Yeah, it's very rewarding. And uh, it, <sighs> you know you can do a great job and you like your 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 podcast is great right i mean because yeah. you know you and you know what your your strengths are you know it's great to get feedback as long as it's not undercutting your confidence and preventing you from going forward that i just find that sometimes people tell you oh you got to have this you got to have this and it ends up undercutting your your drive to try to what you're trying to do they're trying to be helpful if they're really trying they think they're helping you but sometimes it's it can be a real negative thing cuz then mm-hmm. it makes you doubt and makes it well, you from pushing
0: forward. Especially when, when you're like, well, but I've read this, and I've studied this, and I understand this. If, um, yeah, I see that type of doubt show up all the time. It's uh, out of the music field, and I bet you anybody, you've probably seen a couple of local guys like, well, I draw comments, or what you're going to do, just because of the way you network, and it's like, yeah, that doubt is very much so something that does creep up as from the creative standpoint, because, mm-hmm. yeah, they all uh, help and they all have their own versions of their advice, but nobody knows what you know. You're selling your <laughs> knowledge. In this case, you're selling your knowledge of the last 40 years or 30 years worth of comics. So then it's like, mm-hmm. well, then I'm going to sell this. But then, yeah, Johnny made know how to run a Reebok store, but that ain't a comic book store. That is not the same input, the same inventory, same what you call it. So, yes, the advice exists and it can be generalized. But a lot of times I agree with you. Generalized advice is not, is worse because then it boils on your consciousness. Well, Johnny isn't wrong because he does have 14 reboxables. but I'm running a comic book shop. I still got to know my, my cell, my this. Well, for me, yeah. I have to know audio period, regardless of what you think I should do inside the music industry. So yeah, that, that, that is definitely a powerful thing. So to kind of pivot, the trade show seemed to be the big shopping holiday for comic book shop owners. Could you tell us why that is?
1: You mean like- um, In which, that's...
0: whereas when I was thinking of this question, which I could definitely say I've probably written it down, not understanding what I was trying to say, what I was trying to, what I meant by this was, for us, we go in and we get caught up in the glitz and glamour. For you guys, you guys are, this is a job. This is a, not really a day of relaxing and having fun. This is, oh, let, yes, me go and, let me go and find this comic that my customer wants, especially while I know 15 different people are here trading their whales.
1: Yeah, there's there's two real two main groups really do the shows in terms of dealers or vendors that are set up. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's folks that, uh, sell online and do shows Mm -hmm. and that's, that's their whole business. And then there's sometimes you'll get comic shops or physical stores that also do shows. And so they're a little, they're a little bit different. There's definitely a difference in what they're selling and how they're selling. Um, you know, for, for us personally, I can speak to, you know, the business lives off of the shows and the shows live off the business. So if I overorder something for the store, that's the, the over whatever over ordered I'm going to take to the show and try and liquidate it there. Also, if I can't, if it's if our distributors are out of stock on things, then I'm going to go to the show and I'm going to try and buy, find it with from other vendors and try and buy it at the shows to supply the store. So they kind of really live off of each other and they are separate inventories, but each of the inventories are dependent on the other. I don't, does that answer your question? Is that what you're asking? That's kind of what I was
0: asking. And I think the uh, actual couple that I have will will probably flesh this out because my next question was definitely what were your operations in getting ready for, uh, well, a convention in which you're going to drop a thousand comics or whatever because you're a don't. So, yeah. So,
1: yeah, I, uh, we have our separate inventory, show inventory, which right now, uh, a lot of it, some of it's at, been at the shop because we're not doing shows because of the pandemic, obviously. Though mm-hmm. so there's small shows are starting to, to pop up and we're doing a couple small shows. But the big shows, nothing's scheduled. Um, I think June we have, well, I don't think I know. June we have a show in West Virginia that we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably a medium-sized show. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. That'll be the first real travel to a show again, which we haven't done since what, 2020, or early mm.
0: 2020, so so it's been it, a long time. Yeah, I know, it's been a year plus. Uh, good Lord, is there any difference in preparation depending on whether or not you're going to a larger con like C2E2, like if you've ever been to a New York or California or one of the smaller, or medium-sized <laughs> shows like the one in West Virginia?
1: Yeah, so, yeah, we've done, we did New York for about five years in a row. Uh, we stopped doing New York... Um, We did C2E2 for the first eight years and we've since stopped doing that one. But those would be what I would call the big shows is Mm -hmm. what I think you're talking about. And those are very different because those are gonna be pretty mainstream audiences. Um, It's gonna be a lot of cosplay, a lot of um, seeing like events and people. And so it's a little bit different. It's gonna be a more of a celebration, I think like you were talking about. And so we're gonna tend to sell more clearance level stuff and impulse items, you know, mm-hmm. we might, we used to sell a lot of superhero masks, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that, things that are shiny, so to speak, that you know, they're sure like, Ooh, I'll buy that for five, 10 bucks, you yeah. know, because they're, they're there having a good time partying versus this show we have coming up in West Virginia mm-hmm. or a really small show. Say we've got one coming up in Rosemont mm-hmm. and it's in a hotel conference room. Those are a little mm-hmm. bit more actual comic collectors, people looking for specific books um, and they're not really there to cosplay or to have a party. They're there to search for things within the hobby. So very different audiences.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So for my curiosity, when you get there, what does the day look like? What how how does it because I would love to know the difference between like me who's going there to enjoy himself with your as you it said, it's a woke day.
1: Hey, yeah. Hey. So so like when we're going to a big show, like we're going to oh my god, New York you know, I mean, Chicago's a big city, but New York is, is really big. So you come in under the tunnel and I'm downtown in my big cargo van truck, high top thing, you know, trying to negotiate the streets. You get behind the building, you know, it, it gets pretty intense because you're waiting in line with your truck and you're going into the loading dock, which is, you know, they have all kinds of rules and regulations and everybody's yelling at you. Where are you going with that truck? What are you doing? Put it there. And you're unloading onto pallets and forklifts. They're taking it into the building, and you know, so it's it can be intense just negotiating everything because you know I'm not, I'm just a comic guy. You know, I, what do I know? You know, so but at any rate, uh, so it's a lot of work. So we're you know you drive somewhere, you you load your truck, you unload your truck, you set up your booth. The booth setup can take you know an afternoon getting everything ready, and then you're gonna you're going to find somewhere to stash the truck. If you're in a strange city, if you're here in Chicago, you, you know, you bring that back to the shop and then you're going to probably have a decent dinner and you're going to get up early the next day and get ready for the crowds. They're going to come in, you know? So yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Um, but it again, it's the, it's not the load in or the load out that I particularly care for. It's like we were talking about before, it's just meeting people and talking to people and mm-hmm. the shows are great because it's all new fresh faces usually. Yeah. Uh, so
0: like have you been to West Virginia before? Or would this be your first time going? No, this
1: was actually my first West Virginia show. I've been to that area, but not in West Virginia. So there uh, you go. Be so our- you're
0: about to meet a whole bunch of new faces when it comes to that. Which yeah. is really good. Yeah. Good. So yeah, I see your point. It really is about the networking, really.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, and a lot of it's you can tell I've done this a while now, because now when I go to cities, people know me in the different cities because I've done the shows a number of times. Yeah. So I do meet people now that I know on the circuit. And of course the guys that, um, the folks that do the shows um, it's kind of like, we're kind of like carnies. We all kind of know each other. We may all, you know, a couple of us live in Chicago, but we only see each other when we're in a different state, you know, Mm -hmm. so, and we see each other at the same shows. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, there multiple different comic books now. I was even just inside of Chicago, so I can see that. Uh, yeah, Chicago's big enough to have multiple comic book shops, and then you still don't see each other until you meet up in West Virginia. Uh, hey, like, so what's your shop? Oh, you're downtown. Oh, well, they're five minutes with me. <laughs> so, what were some of your greatest finds when it came to buying inventory? What were some of the some of the real memorable items you bought?
1: Oh, right. um. You know, some of the more memorable stuff has been, uh, okay, so this goes along with the shops. So mm-hmm. Chicago is an exception in that it has so many shops mm-hmm. um, and it has a lot of history and a lot of cities don't have that. So mm-hmm. we're kind of unique in that. I mean, there are, I just like, I like all the different shops in Chicago. I like the diversity of shops in Chicago. And so in one of my buying purchases, there was a store that was going out that had been in the city for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And I bought a bunch of their inventory, and one of them was great. They had literally in the back room boxes they had never um, opened, apparently. But they, it was Superman and Wonder Woman, the treasury size edition. It was, like, literally two cases of that, like, just fresh copies and, and you know— it's a great book, valuable, and I've been I've been able to sell that for years because I got a ton of them. That was a fun find, mm-hmm. but I liked that the fact that it came from a Chicago store. It came out of their back room. I like that.
0: Oh, so you're you're definitely one of those people who like go into you you like to go into a comic book shop yourself and like yeah, but what's back there or whatever. I mean, like, oh.
1: <laughs> well, they <laughs> were not going out of business. Know, they were closing. Yeah. So they actually called me okay. I, rather than me. You know what I mean? But. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I do like going to Compress, but I don't like uh, going in and buying all the hot books, and I don't do that. But yeah, that make no
0: sense. thing. and you, consider, you yeah. can buy them yourself for a discount. You're a wholesaler. You're
1: you're yourself. No, well, something's not available. <laughs> people do that. Like we get flippers, people that sell online, and they'll go in and buy. You know, we try and keep them for our regulars at regular price, but since they're not reorderable, and things get a value, secondary <laughs> values online people will come in and try and buy all your copies or whatever the hot book is, and then your regulars don't have, can't get them. So that, which is, I, I wouldn't do that to another shop. which that's an issue we face.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely something on why I'm like, I've always enjoyed your um, aspect in which you have like limits and stuff. Like you can't buy more than three copies of any one book just so that you can't <laughs> run out of my stock just because you have money. <laughs> it takes, basically what I'm saying is it takes a great man to say, screw you to money to make sure that your customer base still exists. Well, exist.
1: it's, <laughs> it, I'm only in the short term. In the yeah. long term, if I'm doing better, I'm going to do better if my, if the customer that's buying the whole run of that series and has bought the first 10 issues and wants issue 11, which is the conclusion, and it yeah. becomes a hop can't get it that's really super frustrating and I'm, now all of a sudden I got a mad customer who's going to stop buying that series it's like I, I want him to get the number 11 at the regular price so yeah. that he keeps buying the series and I make more money in the long term you know and the short term okay, fine I miss, I left $10 on the table but I'm happy to leave $10 on the table if I'm going to make it up you By know 20 times that
0: 20 times that because people like uh, my uncle just keep showing up <laughs> uh, <laughs> So was there anything that you saw but could not obtain at that moment? Did you, is there anything that you had to leave on the table that you would have liked to add to your inventory?
1: I mean, we all have the fish that got away. And I would I love to know big... that
0: story. Wow. Well, Do I don't know if I want to
1: share that. Dang it. It's, it's a terribly devastating story. Dang it. But yeah, that's I have definitely
0: the point. Left. That's <laughs> the point of this question.
1: <laughs>
0: God. Uh, Dang yeah, it. Yeah, I
1: definitely had some fish that got away.
0: Dang it. For sure. And of course you're going <laughs> to leave it at that. Of course you won't. Uh, you won't tell me about any of those fish. Fine. <laughs> I'll take the... Hey, I got an image to keep. I got to make
1: it look like <laughs> I know what I'm
0: doing. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this is the point. I'm not... <laughs> look, I'm contacting you. This entire podcast, I' think thing is just about keeping going no matter what so of course i want to hear about the story about at least one of the fish that got away what am i gonna do to tell my audience oh well uh he, he he decided to decline to answer because of his image well i mean i think in the last 12 questions we are what well, he painted your image as good as it's ever going to get and, and, so I think it makes it even better if you tell the mistake and then we can learn from it. But of course, I'm not here to force you to do anything. I'll just bite my lip and move on to the next (laughs) question.
1: Okay, fine. I'll go with that. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Fine. Let's look toward... (laughs) So, yeah. Well, dang it. Let's look towards the future of this medium. (laughs) Where do you see <laughs> comics going? How do you see them keeping uh, their momentum?
1: So I i mean, that's the question. We're right in the middle of huge change. The, mm-hmm. the pandemic has changed everything. Uh, DC has decided to do their own distribution through a big online comic book store. And so they are they're not even using a real distributor. I guess they're becoming a real distributor of the store it's shipping all their books. And then Marvel has decided that they're going to use random house, a major player for books, and uh, publisher distributor, and they're going to do all their stuff uh, through random house. So it's all brand new. I'm, I'm not sure where we're going to end up. Uh, Diamond comics has been the previous distributor and they had, they were all um, exclusive. All the publishers, Marvel and DC used to be exclusive to them prior to this uh, year. So I don't, I don't know where we're going. Um, I think in general, this has been coming in that comic book stores are gonna become more like bookstores. But I I, I just didn't think it was gonna come this fast. So we'll see. I think DC would like to think, I think DC, I don't know anybody, this is just me theorizing. I I think they really wanna be much more digital based than Mm -hmm. uh, physical books. And I wasn't expecting to see as much output from them at this point, but they're continuing to put out paper copies pamphlets so i guess we're gonna see
0: uh, so covid as always has changed
1: literally everything uh, yeah literally everything hmm. yep and so we're in turmoil going how are we gonna order these books so in october uh random house will be the official distributor now diamond will still becomes like a sub distributor and so they'll still have marvel product they don't have dc product at all anymore but they will still have uh marvel so we'll see how that all plays out.
0: And then, of course, how you would get in and contact with the big comic books now. so that you can get your DC supply because that still needs yeah. To be Yeah. Well, we're already doing work.
1: that, so they're they're shipping to us. So.
0: Okay.
1: Maybe DC at this point will go to Random House now that Marvel's there. We'll see.
0: And then Random we can House get DC trades
1: in. already. So.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well. Well, and then we just got to say, at the end of this one, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe in a year when yeah. I re-interview you, you'll have a better look at things. Um, so the last couple of questions are more so about you. So there seems to be an awe of kindness that surrounds you. What went into building that mindset?
1: Uh, I heard a media consultant to pay people to say that I was nice I mean... No, that's not true. <laughs> uh, I, don't, uh, I don't, I mean, that's just, you know, I've been lucky in my life that this has happened, that I've got the shop. Um, I've had a lot of benefits come my way that I didn't deserve or, you know, that I thought to get. So I've always felt like whatever I've had has been, um, has been really lucky and generous from others. And so I try and keep that in mind and be that same way to other people to
0: pass it on, so to speak. Um, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sometimes I mean, that's all you need, and I'm and I'm kind of glad that uh, you've always been a smiling face, as I said, in our community, and you've always tried to reach out and, and help as best as you can, and because we kind of needed that. I mean, hell, as I stated, I was really surprised to be able to just Still have a place that is consistent, even through all of the craziness that was pandemic 2020. Yeah, because sometimes you just needed that consistent smiling face no matter what. Because I mean, yeah, just just felt good. Felt good being able to go in and just talk to somebody to get your mind off of the thing. So I really do appreciate both the way you're treating your, your community and the way you expect your employees to treat your community. Because of course, there were plenty of stores that just became buttholes. all because, well, we ain't got time for this crap anymore. And you're right, you don't. Oh, but I'm glad that there was still a consistency with false well, aid that I hope will stay until, for whatever may come next.
1: Well, thank you. I'm glad
0: you felt that way. It was definitely great. So here's how I close every interview. Life in the service industry is seen, as paint, is seen to me as painting a picture with your actions. If you could sum up your life experiences into a painting, what would be the centerpiece of it and what would be the centerpiece of your mural and Why?
1: I guess it would be it would be the store if we're talking about first aid and it would be some sort of tree
0: mm, why a tree big tree why a baby tree? because
1: I feel like i've uh I've wanted to put down roots somewhere and not and wanted to have some places home like a big tree uh that's uh still growing and yet it is comfortable and uh beautiful
0: and I'm glad you chose. High Park, because I definitely do feel at home when I can walk through the neighborhood and see, with all of the store closings and stuff, one smiling face that's like, come on, let's have a little bit of fun throughout all of this. High Park
1: has so many beautiful trees. It's such a beautiful neighborhood. It is, it is. And great people.
0: Yeah, it definitely yeah. does. It makes you feel like home when you can see consistency inside of your neighborhood while everything else is going. The way of the dodo in a lot of ways. So <laughs> it it was it, this has been fun, James. It was definitely an insight. It 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 it's amazing that people like you exist inside of this community and exist out there on the world when everything seems more jaded than it needs to be. And I'm glad you're still there, just to laugh and joke about a comic book issue or a funny little story about how you got started. This was amazing. I really do thank you for your time, and I really do appreciate what you're doing. Again, I won't get... Let me say I appreciate you for what you're doing, and as long as I can, I will gladly stop by the shop and toss you a few bucks because I feel as if souls like yours are so rare nowadays that whatever I can do to build... In, in in cultivate that ex- environment. I would love to support. So thank you for giving me ten years worth of great entertainment.
1: Well, thank you, and thank you for all the kind words. What you do is amazing as well. So it's a real honor to be on the show. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I will see you next time inside the shop, man. I think that's the best right. way we can end it. All right, man. <laughs> see you at the shop. See you at the shop. I'll talk to you later, James.
1: All right. Cheers.
0: Cheers.